0: I hope that rugby really does become a game for everybody. And I see a lot of young black girls who didn't think this would be an opportunity for them coming through the pathway. Someone, I hope, in 10 years' time will be sitting in my position who might say they saw Sadi, they saw Shauna Brown, and they knew they could make it. You're listening to the England Rugby Podcast, O2 Inside Line. I'm Sardi Kabea. I'm Sada Kibaya, I play for Loughborough Lightning and England. I play back row, specifically number seven. Our role on the pitch is to be an absolute nuisance. We like to say we're the best mix of the backs and the forwards. Um, got the pace, but also like to have the like, big collisions and like to be quite aggressive on the pitch. Uh, so basically we're just everywhere. As a kid, I was that kid who was running around everywhere, always doing a sport, never sitting still. I was doing cricket, I was doing trampolining, anything under the sun. I didn't do football because I was terrible at that. I've got two siblings and we're four years apart, so the house is always busy. Everyone's always at school or after school club, at a sport. And yeah, mum was just running us all around. So, mum did a lot of marathons and long-distance running. She still does. So, she was always out, like, training, going for runs. And when I was younger, I was like, I want to come, mum, like, take me on a jog, which I would never, ever say now. But I was always, like, going out for jogs with her, trying to catch up with her. But, yeah, she was definitely someone who kept my, like, sporting ambitions alive because she made me kind of love for just being active and being outside. (laughs) I definitely learned that you have to love what you're doing because I could see that she really enjoyed her training. And then when I would see her compete, I could see that it was, like, tough and it was a grueling experience to run a 10K or however long marathon she was running. So I think I learned from a very early age that if you want to play sport and you want to play for a long time, you need to love it. And to see her dedication but see that she also loved the outcome that she would get from the sport, I think that really resonated me from a young age. Especially my older brother, Theo, he was a gymnast. As soon as I was old enough, I joined Gymnastics too, and literally like, tried to follow in everything he did. If he got a first or a gold medal, I wanted to get that gold medal as well. But I just, yeah, especially him, my mum, watching them do these sports that they loved and they were succeeding in it at a very high level. I definitely was like, I wish I could do something like that and definitely take inspiration from them. And I'm happy that I had them in my life at that point. Also, doing a sport, because I think if I didn't have that, being able to see it, I wouldn't have picked up a sport that I wanted to like stay in for a long time. They like cheer me on everything I do. Any games I can get down to, they're there. Yeah, especially to get to this point now, I think they're like they're really living it with me. So anytime I get like a select selector for anything or I'm just playing a game, they're like just as surprised as I am and they're like so happy for me. And <laughs> yeah, I would say they're my biggest fans. <laughs> I don't think my brother would really appreciate me calling him my fan. I first encountered rugby in secondary school. I think I was in year eight, so I would have been about 13, 14. I literally got pulled out of a lesson. My teacher said, like, we haven't got any numbers for rugby, we need extra players, and I was like, yeah, sure. And they literally gave me the ball and said, like, run forward, pass backward, tackle. Didn't know what a tackle was, just grab, grab someone. So yeah, okay. And I remember, like, playing a game and everyone was like, oh my God, look at her go. And I was thinking, yeah. <laughs> like, I guess, I guess there's something that I could do. So the first time I ever played, I was like, this is something that I'd love to do. Like, I like to have the aggressive nature of the game. I loved that it was a team game as well, because I came from individual sports. So the first time I did pick up the ball and played the game, I was like, yeah, I'm in this. I'm in this now. So at the time when I first started playing rugby, I was doing athletics. I was coming to a stage where I was playing, um, competing for county, but I was falling out of love with shopper, and I was getting kind of bored. So I was just moving into hammer. And the differences between rugby and just any individual sport is just the social and the team nature. Like rugby is such a tight knit team sport, and I think you you don't find any other like friendships and bonds that you do within this game. So that was definitely my huge big difference from going from an individual sport such as discus and hammer and shopper, and moving into rugby. When I first started playing rugby, I literally was like, I really enjoy it, I'm just going to do it in school. And it wasn't until Bryony Kill started coaching at my school and she set up the rugby academy when I was moving into sixth form. So at this point, I was playing rugby for about three years. And she really encouraged me to join a club outside of school, join a premiership club, and that's when I was like, okay, this could be something you can make a career out of. I think without her, I don't think I would have made that next step. And if I did, it would have been maybe a few years after I had met her. So yeah, I'm very, very grateful that I did meet her and she did come to my school because she really set off more. It's my rugby career today.
1: I'm Bryony Cleal. I'm a professional rugby player for the Red Roses and Wasps and I was Sadia's PE teacher. Sadia was in one of the first classes I taught and I remember her quite quickly because of how, how good at sport she was and kind of how athletic she was. She held the school record for the shot put and the 300 metres, which I couldn't get over. And I always thought I was really good at shot put until I saw Sadia go into the English school shot put and, and absolutely wipe the floor. So I knew her really early on. We set up the Rugby Academy. And to be honest, at the school, when we set up our Rugby Academy, she she was quite the driving force behind it because she wanted to play as much rugby as possible and we wanted her to play as much rugby as possible. And the school were really supportive in allowing the opportunity for her and her other Appears to do so to come into the red roses like as young as she has, and to have the players around her that are there currently that are world class. Like Sadio is an awesome rugby player, and then to have above her people that are world class. She was always so athletic, and that was never a a worry when she was in school of her making it. It was that rugby side of things, but since going to the Premier Fifteens and since playing, she's kind of flourished in that aspect and. Hopefully she'll play for England for a long, long time and make that seven shirt
0: her own. When I first came into camp, I hadn't seen Bryony in school for about two years because she'd left the school. So when I first saw her, it was like a bit of like defrosting. Like she was, like, this is my student, and we're now playing on the same team. Like I tackle her and she looked down and be like, Sadiq Baya is tackling me. Like I used to be turning her off. Uh, three years ago, she was always a friendly face. So when I came in, it was like. I know Bryony (laughs) Clills, so that's okay. And now, yeah, we have a good relationship, like a good teammate relationship. I feel like I can chat to her. I feel like I can laugh with her, which when you think about laughing and chatting with your PE teacher, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think that that would be happening. But yeah, she definitely is one of my good teammates now. I think my pathway to the Red Roses, I started when I went to Stressing and Croydon, which is my first home club. I was there for about two years and then I went to County Trials, uh, which was Surrey County. I was in County from under 15 to under 18, stayed in there for about, yeah, three years. Moved into under 18 TDG, which is a talent development group, under 20s, which I was in for the past two years. And then last year got pulled into pre-season for England, Red Roses, and yeah, now I'm here. So even to look back from where I am now, it's like, I I never expected to be here. So yeah, it's crazy.
2: I'm Simon Middleton, head coach of the England Red Roses. Sadia, new kid on the block, I think she's the the new generation. She represents a new generation of players. Real sort of silent assassin. She's going to be an absolute sensation.
1: We cannot believe what we are seeing! What a try from Loughborough Lightning at the deck! Sadia Kabea is a silent, hilariously
0: funny person. I'm Hannah Bottomann. I play for England and Saracens. As a player, she definitely packs a punch. And I think she's a, a very good player that can go to some very special places. So, yeah, be really exciting to see how she goes.
1: Kabea with another meaty carry.
0: When I played for Shetam and Coryden and Sand and Epsom, they were my two home clubs. Like, you play just for the joy of it. When I was in like grassroots rugby, all I would do is catch the ball and carry and run in a straight line because that would work for me. And I remember when I moved into like under 18 and that wasn't happening. Catch the ball, run straight, get smashed. And you quickly realise like the standard goes up very, very quickly. And so I think especially when I did come into the setup, I'd been in the premiership for about three years. And those three years was like crazy for me because I came in at a very low level and you quickly have to jump on the bandwagon, otherwise you're going to get left behind, really, because the skill set is so high. Yeah, there's very much a big difference between coming from grassroots and coming into the setup. But I think the pathway really does help you get up to speed. When I was in Sherman Croydon, that was my home club. It was in my in my ends, really. So I'm from Crystal Palace, and this was in, in Croydon, which is about half an hour from me. So everyone who I spoke to and who I was playing rugby with was very similar to me. We had very similar cultural experiences, we had very similar jokes, very similar music tastes. And I think as I moved up the ranks, those similarities seemed to disappear as I was going up. My first premiership club was Richmond and that is very much a white middle class area. So the rugby there is white middle class. And I think that was when I first realised that I'm different within the sport and the sport is different. Because I think I was one of three girls who was of colour in that team and I think for me it was just a matter of realising that okay I'm different but not losing that within this setup, not losing that within rugby because I loved rugby. I didn't want it to change me, and it's making sure that, yeah, I could keep my South London slang, keep my South London jokes and bringing that through the pathway. I would say during my uh, first year at Richmond, towards the end, I probably realised that I had started changing myself to fit into the new cultural standards that I was seeing day to day. Because, of course, you want to fit in. You want to be the same as everyone around you. You want to feel like you're part of that team. We didn't look the same, so I couldn't fit in that way. And the other ways I could fit in was through the jokes, through the music. Towards the end of that year, especially being, I think I was 17 turning 18 when I first started Prem, I was like, well, if I'm going to fit in any way, it's going to be. The easiest way would be to do it through this way. So I definitely think I might have lost myself a bit through that first year, and I think it really did help moving to a team, WASPs, in South London, where you have a bit of a cultural reset where I'm back with people who look like me, who sound like me. But yeah, it definitely is hard to remain yourself when all you're seeing is people who don't look like you. During the Black Lives Matter movement, I had just moved to Wasps in South London, which is my, was my new club. At that club, there was four, no, five black girls, and I was the sixth at the time. And we had a Zoom call and it was just about players understanding, asking questions about what was going on and learning and stuff like that. And I remember when I moved there and I thought, this is something that I never experienced and would not have experienced in my old club. As I are coming into a culture where it was inclusive and everyone was wanting to listen and wanting to hear what was going on, I think that was when my flip switched, when I was like, right, I don't have to be different to be in the sport. People actually do want to listen and hear our voice. So I think, yeah, that movement, as much as it was a big change for society, it also was a big change for me within the sport and seeing the sport in a different way. I think the typical one to go to, especially for young black girls, Maggie Alfonsi, and she was a huge idol for black girls and young people of colour across the country, really, seeing her absolutely excel in the sport and she was the same position as me, number seven. So seeing someone who looks like you, doing exactly the same thing as you or something that you want to do, she was someone who I really, really looked up to. Mm -hmm. Definitely there is a disparity between the diversity in rugby. And I think it's clear to see really, especially once you go up the ranks, the diversity goes down. Especially across the league, I think we've had like, during the Black Lives Matter movement, we had Zoom calls and we had representatives in each club. And each club couldn't put forward a person of colour because they didn't have a person of colour. So on the Zoom call, there was players who were representing the Black Lives Matter movement who couldn't resonate with the Black Lives Matter movement. And I think for me, that really shot out to me as there's a problem across this league. If teams can't even produce one person of colour and when there's huge amounts of talent across the country, that there is something, something does need to be changed. And I think there is a lot of change going on right now, um, but there definitely is a long way to go. And I think the place where it needs to start is grassroots because if you go like into London and you go to these schools, there is so much talent across these schools of young black girls, but they don't see anyone who they can follow. They don't see themselves being able to get into the Prem or getting any level higher. So I first met Shauna Brown during school, actually. I think she was just go- coming out of uh, training for hammer and going into rugby. And she came to school when I was doing hammer and shot put and actually coached me there. And I think when I started going into rugby and I saw her like playing for England, I was like, I know that girl, like, she, she coached me a couple of years ago. Um, and to see her and see someone who I've interacted with and already had some jokes and laughs with and who's someone who's very similar to me, I was like, right. I know I can get there, because I saw her do it. And during the premiership season, like, I'd play against her, and she'd be like, oh, hey, Sonia, like, you're going to be next in. Like, you're going to be up there soon. And I was like, no, Sean, I know. And she'd always like, message me and encourage me, and I could tell that she wanted someone else who looked like her to be up um, doing the same things as her. So to come into camp and like, be able to create a friendship with her, now she's like, she's like, my big sister. I would say auntie, but she wouldn't appreciate that she like took me right under her wing. Like, as soon as I came in, she was like, I'm so excited for you. Like, as soon as the message came into the group chat, Sadia's is coming into camp, Like make her welcome. Yeah, it's great to have someone who looks like you and sounds like you. And we can give each other just a look and we know what we're talking about. And to have that in such a high pressure environment is great. When you see someone who looks like yourself and sounds like you, and you can have these shared experiences, it makes you completely relaxed and it makes you feel like you can be yourself while playing sport at such a high level. While being around people who you never would have met before, who have very cultural, culturally different backgrounds, you still feel like you can communicate and play rugby and have a laugh and make friends while being yourself. And I think that is something huge, especially for young girls coming in the game. As I said, for me, coming up the pathway, I felt like I had to change myself because I didn't see anyone who looked like me. I felt like I had to adapt and be like people who were around me. And to having someone who you can even just look up to. I felt like I'm smiling all the time. Like I see her, I just smile. We just laugh because we have that just shared experience. like it's, it's unspoken, really. It's not because it's not, um, we look like each other exactly, which is also definitely a factor. But because we both come up from South London, we both have these, yeah shared experiences. It just, yeah, it just makes you feel like you can be yourself. Yeah, I definitely feel a responsibility to be a role model and be someone who girls who look like me or who were just like me when I was younger to see. Recently, I went into a school in South London. I did a session with Bryony and there was like tons of little girls running around with like, the headscarf on, which I would literally do when I was playing rugby. I was like, I'm not getting my hair messy, I'm gonna put my headscarf on, and no one's gonna to touch my hair. And like to see these girls who look like exactly like me when I was younger, little mini me's running around, enjoying the game, like having an absolute blast. I was like, right, I need to be this person who they can see. And the fact that I'm so young is also like another, another drawing factor because they're like, I don't have to wait till I'm 25, 26 to think I'm gonna make it to England. Yeah, I think I have a huge responsibility and I feel like I can use this to the best of my abilities now and I have a real passion to do that as well. Personally, I love growing up in South London. It's non-stop. Like everyone's always busy, it's always buzzing. But yeah, as much as I've spoken about the positives, there is some things that are unspoken or might not be as positive as you'd as you'd want to think. Uh, especially with, like, the gang culture going on, Especially in my younger years, that's what you see and you think, that's so cool, like, I want to be those people who hang out on the street. And for a while, like, me and my friends, we would we would always, like, go into Croydon. That was, like, the main hubbub of where all the people would be after school. And you would just, like, hang around the street and just sit there. And, like, if there was a boy there, you would, like, make yourself look pretty and <laughs> try and try and catch their attention. But that was very much the culture as well. And even when I started going to sport and making that something that like I wanted to be a career, it was kind of not looked down upon, but it was like, why would you want to do that? Like, why wouldn't you want to roam the street? And I think that definitely was a barrier for me, because as much as you want to do something you love, you also want to fit in. And I wanted to fit in within South London, within my culture. And the culture is to be cool. And whatever was called at that point in time, which was gang culture, and that is still very much a big problem within today's society. But yeah, even like going to training and going to the gym and getting big, it was also like the girls always want to look pretty for the boys. And it's like, why are you muscly? Stuff like that, that just comes your way, but you don't really think much about it until you get somewhere else when you're older. And it's not until now when I look back and realise that You could easily just be like, actually, I don't want to be strong. I don't want to be masculine. Actually, I want to do what's cool. And I could have easily stayed with that group of people who wanted to roam around the streets and wanted to take part in these gang activities. But I always take the positives because I think I didn't fall into that other side and fall into that nature. So I always take the positives of growing up in South London and there is more positives than there is in negatives.
2: My name's Lisa, and I'm Sadia Kabaya's mum. As a child, Sadia was a high achiever. So the kind of personality Sadia has, she was very boisterous. She always wanted to be the centre of attention and she always wanted to make us laugh. It wasn't until she started going to secondary school that I realised she was good at sport. I mean, really good at sport. She tried rugby. When she tried that, I really didn't think that was going to be um, a career pathway for her or something that she was going to become elite in. It was just another thing she was good at. It wasn't like she was trying. she was just enjoying herself. She was about 16, 17, and I said to her, So what's your dream? Do you want to play for England? And she was like, Mum, I'm just playing. I'm not thinking about playing for England, I'm just playing. She didn't take it seriously about maybe I can play for England until she started playing for the Lemmy League when she became 18. And even then, when it happened, I think it still surprised her. So when um, Sadia got involved with rugby and because she didn't see so much diversity reflected in rugby, the fact that Sadia feels really responsible, a sense of responsibility that she is a role model for her friends around her and for young children looking up to her who are coming from a similar background. And I think she wants to show them, I can do this. If I can do this, then you can do this. And she's very aware of that. And I'm really proud of her that she's taken that on quite seriously. Yeah, it's not something, at such a young age, I'm, yeah, I'm amazed that she's thinking quite deeply about it already.
0: I hope during my long career, I in <laughs> touch with that rugby really does become a game for everybody. And it is absolutely a game for everybody, but I hope my hope is that it becomes way more diverse. And I see a lot of young girls coming through who are from London who are from these places where rugby isn't a big sport, young black girls who didn't think this would be an opportunity for them coming through the pathway, coming into the Premiership, coming and making it. Someone I hope in 10 years time will be sitting in my position who might say they saw Sadie, they saw Shauna Brown and they knew they could make it. And I hope there's a lot, a lot more of those little young girls coming through. In the years to come because there is so so much talent out there and they just need someone or something to tell them that they can do it and they can get here so yeah that's that's my hope for rugby over the next couple years because it is on an absolutely amazing trajectory like the way the game's going the way it's growing the way the grassroots is growing is amazing and to have the extra layer of having everybody being included in the sport and you've visually been able to see that because rugby is an inclusive sport. It's a huge team sport, it's a big family sport, but where you can visually see that everybody is involved. I think that's what I would like here to get to.